Hi friends, this is part two of Mick's story. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I encourage you to go listen to part one on your podcast feed and then come back here for this episode. Towards the end of part one, Mick's marriage and his relationship with his wife were getting bumpy. But nothing could prepare him for what he found out one day when he got back home from work. I did pull up in the driveway the one day, and I'm going to call it the fateful day because it was a very different day. And it's not only that they were not there, but I could see from the driveway that the house was very, very different that day because when I could look in the window, the furniture was gone, the curtain was gone, the house was completely stripped. It was empty. So I said, this is a problem here. So I went running to the door. I said, well, I'm going to be philosophical about this. It looks like everything is gone which it's just property and it can be replaced. But my concern was, where's our child at this point? And she wasn't there. I walked in the door and I found a note. I'm going away for a while from Anne. And it was a note from Anne saying, I'm going to go away for a while. But the note was tucked in a book about the John Bonet Ramsey child murder. That disturbed me, not surprisingly. I called the bank on our bank accounts, stripped, completely gone. I looked in my pocket, how much cash do I have on me? And I had $5.85. So I'm standing in our home, realizing the house is completely empty. I have no money whatsoever. Bank accounts, zero. I had $5.85 to my name, and I don't have our daughter and have no idea where she is. With help from the police, Mick finds out that his wife had taken their five-year-old daughter, Catherine, across the country to California. Divorces and separations are hard enough for children, but removing a child at that age from a parent who was a constant presence in that child's life up until that point can completely shatter a child's well-being. So Mick starts fighting for his child's right to grow up with a father. And that's where we'll pick up part two of Mick's story. Now what I begin is, how do I get our child returned to the family home, the only home that she had ever known? And I've said, I'm not a saint, but the thing is, I don't really drink. I never use drugs. I didn't fool around. I didn't do anything that would have provoked a person to go that far away. But that's exactly what Ann had done. But I got a problem. I go to the court then and I said, here's the situation. Here's the note I found. Here's the receipt I found. Everything has been stripped. I have no money. And our daughter is 3,000 miles away. What do I do? Got an attorney at that time. And I thought, well, all I have to do is get Katrin back to home. That's it. Get her back in the state. And the attorney said, oh, yeah, we'll get her. She's got to come back. It, it didn't mean she had to come back immediately. She could just say, I'm visiting. I'm on vacation. But the court does order her back and did order her back. And so she did have to return but my fault was thinking, of course, that once I get Katrin back into Pennsylvania as the 
state, she's now going to be home. That didn't happen. The judge said, no, Katrin goes back to Anne. I go, well, where is Anne living? Where is she going? I mean, why would you place a child in an unstable situation in an unstable environment? I'm in the family home. I'll keep her in school. I'll take care of her. I have no problem taking care of her. That's just not the way the court operates. And this is why when I wrote the novel, I subtitled it in the best interest of the children with a question mark, because you will always hear that the courts are operating in the best interest of the children, but I didn't find that to be true. And that started with first the police officer, then the attorneys, then the judges, and the process of trying to get her back and restored to the home turned out to be an extraordinarily difficult situation because court orders are not enforced. And I also found situations such as when Anne would pick up Katrin from the house, she would go down the street, three doors down, and drop Katrin off at the neighbor's house, Selena's house, and then Anne would drive away. As far as Anne was concerned, she has full custody, which meant she could do anything that she darn well pleased. And that makes no sense because in a custody situation, both parents share legal custody unless for some reason that has been taken away. Legal custody means you have some say over the schooling, over medical records, over major decisions for the child that you share in common. But Anne didn't see it that way. We had court orders that she just ignored. There was supposed to be a time, let's say Katrin was supposed to be on a Friday night at 6.30, it would be 7 o'clock, 8.30. Where is she? I call the police. I say, here, I've got a court order. Child is supposed to be here. What can you do? And they say, well, it's a Friday night. There's nothing we can do. And oh, by the way, I'm looking at the documentation you have. And this is literally what one police officer said to me. Well, it doesn't have the raised seal of the court on there. I can't honor that. Well, it's a copy. I mean, but it still has the same words as the right words. Anyway, Friday night, what am I supposed to do? Even though Katrin was supposed to be at home for the weekend, I can't do anything until Monday because attorneys are not available anyway. And I thought here is what Anne was doing was just flaunting the ability to take advantage of the situation and no one would stop her. I had already had reservations as I've tried to express that I think mentally there were certain things that went wrong. No one seemed to take that into account. So when we start going to see psychiatrists, which we do, they start to examine the family and the dynamics, and they are supposed to come up with a better situation and a better resolution to what is obviously a very contested and unusual situation. But they were of no help whatsoever either. The court had given full custody of Catherine to Mick's ex-wife, Anne. And even during the times when Mick was scheduled to see his daughter, Anne was often preventing him from doing that. So despite his efforts and complete dedication to be a good father to Catherine, Mick's relationship at this point with his daughter is obviously not the greatest. Well, it's obviously strained and it's only strained because I wasn't seeing her. I went from and she went from, if I were thinking psychologically and in terms of nurturing, how come all of a sudden my life is 
upended. Why am I running to California? I'm sure she had all kinds of questions like, where's dad? Why isn't he here? Why am I being going from neighbor to neighbor and other places? Why aren't you here, mom? I'm sure those are questions that she had. And I was always available. I said, anytime, 365 days a year, 24 seven, all you need to do is let me know. I will take Katrin. And here's how I handled in dealing with the mother. I never bad mouth and never say anything negative about her. But you're exactly right. I knew that this is a pretty bright child and she knew something was very different. And I would turn to her in these unusual situations as they occurred, because they did. There were some really bizarre things that happened. I would turn to her and I said, you know, this is unusual, don't you? And she would just nod and say, yes, dad. I go, okay. Then, you know, I thought, well, you're going to have to figure it out, but I'm not going to badmouth mother. I'm not going to say anything negative. I'm going to restrain from that. But as long as she realizes that this is not so-called normal, something is going wrong here, you're going to have to figure it out. And I'm not going to be the person who would say, your mother this, your mother that, your neighbor this, the neighbor that. I just simply didn't say anything negative. Sometimes when divorces or separations happen and kids are involved, the parents decide to remove their ego from the equation and work together towards the best interests of the kids. Well, that was not how mixed divorce was going. She said to me at one point, and this is one of those things that stays with you forever. She turned to me the one time and because we did have very few conversations, especially once she had taken Katrin to California, but she turned to me the one time and she said, here's what I'm doing. Let's see how you do. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, she's trying to destroy me. That's what she was saying. You know, let's see how you do. She was doing everything possible that she could to destroy me in my life. The total span of this that I'm describing in as brief a detail as possible is three and a half years. That's what it took. It took me three and a half years and it took a tragedy to get the daughter home. We go through the psychiatrist and if anybody looks at the novel, the cover of the novel, I really wanted that on the cover because here's one of the things we went through two psychiatrists, not just one, neither one was any good. But the second one where I thought we were going to get a resolution, since she was small, Katrin was asked, well, draw a picture of your family. And if you look on the cover of the novel, that's the picture that was drawn. And what she shows is that a person with a beard, obviously me, man, holding her as a baby. And mom is off to the side. I saw the picture that six-year-old Katrin drew to the psychiatrist to describe her relationship with her parents. And it is clearly showing her dad holding her as a baby and her mother to the side. And that maybe is because her father was her primary caregiver. And that can only be a reflection of how much she loved her father. But the psychiatrist had another explanation for that. A very strange explanation. The psychiatrist is going to take a smaller child and what he doesn't want to say or she is not going to say, well, who do you pick, mommy or daddy? No, that's how they say it. What they do is try to get the child to open up and they used art or they use something like this, a creative way to get into the child's mind. And sometimes a child that is that young, maybe not being able to articulate 
what was actually going on or what her feelings were. So he asked her to draw a picture while well, she drew a picture. And that picture, according to when I did get the actual results and a conclusion in writing from that psychiatrist, that actually ruled against me. Now I think if she's describing her family and it shows a man and her father with a beard holding her as a baby, wouldn't you think that she was trying to indicate how loved she felt from her father and how comforted? But here's his result. In writing, he then says, Katrin is too close to her father. And that was ruled against me. And I thought to myself, well, if she had drawn a picture with her mom holding her, guess who would have gotten her? Mom. But she drew a picture and was being honest from a very young person's point of view, and that wasn't right. That was a picture that was drawn not in keeping with a predetermined conclusion that that psychiatrist had in mind. The psychiatrist's report was not what I was hoping for. So I said, well, why did it turn out this way? Because when you read the psychiatrist's report, uh, speaking of when the child was left alone in the report, it said things such as, mom should not leave the child alone as much as she does. I, this is the first time I had heard about this. I almost went ballistic. I said, what do you mean? She's being left alone? Why is she being left alone? So where exactly Anne had her, I'm not sure, but she did rent an apartment that was about maybe a half a mile from us. So that meant that at some point she did have an apartment, but even crazier. Now, this is a psychiatrist, right? Fully qualified, got all the degrees and what have you. And he said, if Katrin feels afraid and is scared, she should go out of the apartment and look for help. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Wander around and look for someone who knows who these people are. Are they rapists? Are they child murderers? Are they murderers? Are they criminals? What do you mean? Just look around. She's way too small. But that's it. It's in black and white and it's in the report. So I said, I really got a problem here. The judges don't see things the right way. The psychiatrists don't. The attorneys don't. Police don't. Neighbors don't. I'm really, I have no way of getting Katrin home. And when the system that you believe in just does not work, you start wondering why that system is not working the way it's supposed to. I did have a conversation with my attorney and talk about the corruption is if she made a very interesting statement to me. We were in her office and she turned to me and she said, before I went in to see this psychiatrist, and I said I was expecting a better conclusion, a better result. And I said, how do you know that? How would you think that this psychiatrist is going to rule in my favor? And she turned to me and she said, well, let me put it this way. And I will deny it publicly if you ever say it but I made a huge contribution to the judge's campaign. Despite feeling completely helpless at this point, Mick did not give up on being a father to his daughter, and he just stayed focused on the thing that mattered the most, which is his daughter's well-being. 
lost sleep, you know, didn't feel well, couldn't do anything. Here I'm an academic, I couldn't read, or it was it was an extraordinarily difficult time. But the thing is, if you're a parent, you love your child and you will sacrifice for them and you'll do anything you can. And so I did. That's I just said, this is where I am. And the kids come home at some point, but never give up and never stop fighting. At the very least, the child should always realize that you as a parent was doing everything that you could possibly do, everything that's in your control. And that's what they need to know. Even if you don't see them, even if you don't have the contact you want, and even if you're not parenting as much as you would like, they need to know that you always cared, you always loved them. And just like in a lot of our stories, when you keep on falling and getting up and fighting the good fight for all the right reasons, good things, great things end up happening. And that's what happened to Mick, even though it did take a tragedy for that to happen. Catherine is eight years old at this point, and the divorce had happened three years prior to this. Well, I got a call from my attorney, the feminist attorney, and she said, there's an emergency calling an emergency meeting, the judge called both of the attorneys. We're rushing to the court right now. I said, what is it about? She had no idea, but it's an emergency. And he said, get down here right away. So she was there. Then I said, okay, well, call me back and tell me what happened. Now, the neighbor, Selena, had said and warned me, don't stay at my house, don't come near my house, stay away, and don't call me. I get a call from who? Selena. And she says to me over the phone, I just was awarded custody of Katrin. I was pretty much just slamming the phone down. I go, you have, what are you talking about? And I got on the phone with my attorney right away. And I said, what happened? What was this hearing all about? And she explained, well, Anne is not doing well. She is physically not doing well. And someone else needs to take care of Katrin. I go, you mean to tell me the judge awarded Selena, the neighbor, our child? There's no psychiatrist evaluation. There's no financial determination. Who is she living with? Who are these people? Why is she being awarded custody? She's not family. She's not a blood relative. What is going on? Well, here's what happened. Yes, Anne was seriously ill. She was in the hospital, and I found this out because Katrin told me more. She had been in the hospital for a week. But the day the judge awarded Selena custody of Katrin, the very next day, Anne passed away. That's how I got Katrin home. The family had picked up Katrin. I got a call from my mother-in-law, and she had also informed me that Anne had passed away. And she said... We'll be dropping off Katrin in about half an hour. So I really was on pins and needles for that half an hour ago. Well, is this she telling me the truth? Is she really going to show up? And yes, they did. They pulled up. They took a bunch of Katrin's things and piled it in the street. I went out, got Katrin, took her by the hand, took her right inside the house and locked the door. And I waited till everybody left. And I said, we'll get all your things later, but you're getting in the house and I'm locking the door. And so... Yes, that's how I got her back, and I waited till that car pulled away, and then I went out in the street and got her belongings. 
I said, a lot of people go into a courtroom and they think that the judge is God. But I think, no, I think there are earthly judges and then there's a heavenly God. And one judge is more powerful than the other. And that's the story I take away from this because an earthly judge decided one way and thank goodness there is a God in heaven who said, no, this is not right and I'm going to make it right. It is a tragedy, but it means that there is a more powerful God than just the human gods and the ones that you see in a courtroom. Children don't ask to be born. That's how I see it. They didn't ask. So when you bring them into the world, it's, it's either or. You're either going to do everything you can within your power or you're not. That's a decision that you make. Nick wrote a beautiful book about his story and highlighting his ordeal and his adventure to get his daughter back. It's called Burning America in the Best Interest of the Children, and we will leave a link in the episode notes for you to take a look. Mick, thank you so much. Thank you. Never give up. Always hang in there. I appreciate your time so much. This episode was produced by Annabel Martinez-Vega and Elizabeth Jenkins and hosted by me, Walid El-Jibari. If you like the show, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app.